Greetings and welcome to Polson Foursquare Church. My name is Pastor Greg Perkins and I'm happy that you've joined us today. This year of 2023, our focus is Together on Mission. In our teaching throughout this year, we will talk much about how we are all called to be a missional church and a missional people. Colossians 4, 2 through 6 are our theme verses that speak about being a people of prayer and of preparedness and how we are to go out and be witnesses to those around us in our everyday life. So today as we study God's word together, I pray the Holy Spirit will speak to you through these messages and pray that you'll be blessed by our podcast teachings and that you'll be edified and enriched in God's word. Thank you and may God bless you all. people that will tell you if you can study Romans and if you understand what the Lord is speaking by the Spirit uh, in Romans, you're going to have it made. You're going to have it made. And uh, uh, a couple weeks ago, Pastor introduced Romans, um, went through the first 15 verses. We're going to pick it up in verse 16. So if you have a Bible or your favorite Bible app, if you want to turn there, And we're going to just jump right in. Paul's speaking to the to the uh, the Christians in Rome, and uh, and he begins this way. He says, "I am not ashamed." He says, "I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ." He is not ashamed. He he makes no uh, concession. He makes no compromise. He feels no reason to conceal the gospel of Jesus Christ. Absolutely, yes. Chapter 1. Making it easy for you. Chapter 1, verse 16. Yeah, he says, I'm not ashamed. You know, and, and I think for us as the church, I, I mean, I know, I know we're only in four words into the, into the, the message, but I think as a church, we're going to have far less problems if uh, we don't come across with our message in weakness or in, in hypocrisy, but unashamedly and without concession or compromise, declare what the word says. This, these words are words of life to us. Jesus is the written word. So as we, as we look into this word and, and get revealed to us, Christ has been revealed to us. And, and Paul makes no apologies for it. And he says, this gospel of Christ, he goes on to say, it's the power of God to salvation. It's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. He says, I make no apologies for this message because this is the message that you all need to hear. I don't care if you grew up in, in Jewish orthodoxy or you grew up in, the, uh, in some sort of religious order. You don't know God, whatever. What you need is this message that I'm about to give to you in its entirety because a lot of times we hear the gospel. And if I asked each one of you to write down on a piece of paper and explain to me, what is the gospel of Jesus Christ? We're going to get a couple of one. Usually somebody's going to say it's the good news about Jesus, which it is. But that is such a small, small part of it. It's important, yes. But it's, when, when we're talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're talking the, 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 the entirety of the truth about God. The number one part of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that God is. That Jehovah God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit always was, is, and always will be. The Alpha and the Omega. The reality of God. And that God 
created all that we see and all that we don't see. All of creation, all of the universe is created by his hand, by the work of his hand. And that includes you and me, okay? Part of the creation. So God, so part of the, what we need to communicate when we communicate the gospel is the reality of God and the reality that he's the creator. And right there, you're going to get a lot of pushback, right? Because a lot of people are going to say, oh, there's lots of little gods out there. Well, no, there's not. There's only one true God. And he's the creator. We believe that. And that's what we should, that's what we should unashamedly, as Paul says, preach. And that we are part of that creation. And we, as a creation, as the human condition, chose to walk away from God. All right? We chose that. We chose, we looked into the reality of God and the reality of his creation, and we chose as a human condition to walk away from God. And we fell. Now, this was not a surprise to God, because it says that the, 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 uh, the redemptive plan he's, he, is, he has had in work since the foundations of the earth, the foundations of creation. He's, he's been ready for that. He, what, he didn't just like up there on the throne saying, didn't see that one coming. No, that's not God, okay? But man fell. Man fell away. And then that's part of the message. Another part of the message is for much of human history, as outlined in, the, in, in what we would call like the, the prophets and the, uh, um, and the law, as explained in the Old Testament, is really the next part of the gospel, a very important integral part of the gospel where God shows that he's, he's continuing to reach out to this fallen humanity. Even though we rebelled against him and we walked away on our own, it really explains how he continues to reach out. And he continued to try to steer us toward what would ultimately be the next part of the, the gospel plan was the redemptive work of Christ, culminating in the resurrection. That's the next part of the gospel, okay? So yes, Jesus, the good news about Jesus, yes, very, very important part of the gospel, but not all of it. And so if we really want to be effective in, in getting the message out there, when we preach the gospel, we need to preach it in its entirety. And again, there's more of the gospel coming, and that's the revelation of Jesus Christ when he comes back for his church. And we will live and reign with him forever. Okay, not just the good news about Jesus, because that's all they usually, when you, when you hear people talk about gospel, that's all they want to talk about, but there's a lot more to it, because people need to understand. People with no God consciousness need to know that there's a God, and there's only one true God. And they need to know that this God created them and loves them and cares for them. And even though they might be in a fallen state, while, he, while we were yet in our fallen state, state of deadness and in sin, he reached out and gave the very best that heaven had, his son, to buy us back and to redeem us. That he might be just in doing so, not setting aside our sin, but paying the price for it in his son. And through his son's redemptive work and resurrection, we too might have life again. That we may choose to fix what we messed up so long ago when we chose to walk away, we can choose to walk back. 
Though our journey away from him might be a thousand steps, it's only one step back. Right? If we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths the Lord Jesus Christ and, and believe the Lord raised him up, we will be saved. And this is the message that Paul said, I'm not ashamed of this message. For it's the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. In verse 17 he says, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. The righteousness of God. Being in right standing. Because it was, it was our fall that put us in a place of unrighteousness. Basically meant that we had no relationship. We had no right to call him father. We were, you know, in my BC days, I didn't know God. I was in a state of unrighteousness. But having responded to the message, to the gospel message, like I hope all of you have, you were in a place of righteousness. Not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done, and you chose to believe that. Okay, and that puts you in a place of righteousness. And, that, and there's all kinds of, when it says, as, as, as the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, we were talking about this morning already how, how God shows up. And in the, in, the, in the worship song, it talks about how, how there's a witness. We all have witnesses uh, in our lives and testimonies in our own lives where God has moved. And we knew it was God because there was no other plausible explanation. It couldn't be just you know, explained away with human wisdom. And we all have that. And as each one of us move from faith to faith, and God is moving in our lives, the life of God shows up. Because God wants to be a part of our lives. He wants us to be living in faith. Because when we live in faith, as we were designed to, we were designed and, and created to walk in in. In, in righteousness, to walk in that relationship with God so that when God and us got together, that we were like a mirror of our creator. That as we lived with him and in, and in faith with him and walked with him, that his life would show up in our lives. That we would have the, the fruit of the spirit. Okay, because you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't drum up the fruit of the spirit. Okay, because by definition, it's the fruit of the Spirit, right? Okay, you, you gotta, if, it's the, if it was the fruit of Greg, we might be able to do it. Okay, but if it's the fruit of the Spirit, we can't come up with that. So, I, I, so I'm not talking about some substitutional, best we can do kind of, kind of performance that we can do out of the goodness of our own hearts. But no, I'm talking about the actual supernatural work of God and God showing up in our lives making us people of joy and faith and long-suffering and patient. We can't do that on our own. He says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. This, now that's my life verse. The last part of verse 17, the just shall live by faith. Because at one time, and, and I'm sure Eileen probably still remembers it, I, I, I was put on the spot as I, I just been in the faith for, I don't know, a year or so. So we thought we'd go really crazy and go to a home Bible study during the week. Whoa, I know, crazy, right? <laughs> Fanatical. But anyway, so and we went there, and, and they were starting to do the book of Romans. And we were 
chugging through it. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't as uplifting as I would have hoped it was going to be. Uh, uh, anyway, and then the, the, the leader whose home we met in said, why don't you teach it? I mean, talking to me, and I'm going, wow. I think Jesus spoke about this. He said, if a blind man leads a blind man, they both fall in the ditch. <laughs> you know? You know, I'm going, but anyway, I did, and that's when I fell in love with the book of Romans, and that's when God opened up that verse to me. He said, the just shall live by faith. And you think, well, well, that sounds really good. Make a nice T-shirt and a refrigerator magnet. The just shall live by faith. But what it means, if you, if you really look at it, the just, that's me and you after our, 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 our confession of faith in Jesus Christ. We're just. We're made right with God. Okay? From that point on, our life is maintained, our relationship is maintained, our walk is maintained by walking in faith with God. Not looking at it like a golfer who gets a mulligan and gets to try again to be good. That's not it. The just shall live by faith means you, having made that Christ confession, now walk with God in faith. Are you going to be perfect? No. You're going to be what I like to call a saint with issues. But you're going to get better if you really want to. You can pray about things. I know there are things in my life that God took right away, and there's other things He's still chipping away at with me, and thank God. But I know God's working in me because I know he's changed me. He's changed my personality. He's changed a lot of different things about me. That things that you, you just can't change your personality. You can't change who you are from your root. You can't just get up one morning if you're, if you're a person who doesn't like to talk in front of people and say, well, you know what, that's not going to bother me anymore. But that was me. So I knew it wasn't me, Okay. Had to be God working in me, you know, and some other things, you know, sin habits that I had in my life that God just took away. Now, am I perfect? No, I'm a saint with issues, still working on them, just like you. But I'm living in faith because I'm justified, and I have peace with my Lord because of that. So many Christians we see around here are got some sort of spiritual constipation going on because they can't enjoy life. I don't know if you want to strike that from the video or not, but you know, I'm, you know, but you know what I'm saying? They're, they're so bound up, so to speak, that they can't enjoy their walk with Jesus, right? I'm not saying our walk with Jesus is going to be sunshine and jelly donut creaminess for the rest of our lives. We're going to have times when, when we hurt and we need our Father to, to give us um, consolement. We need Jesus to to heal us, we need God to provide for us, where we need our brothers and sisters to come alongside us and give us strength. I'm not saying that, but our, our, we should, in those times, still be at peace, knowing that we are totally, completely right before our Father. Because, you know, in, in our former lives, we would hide that. You know, we don't want to show weakness. You know, I, want to go, I don't want to say I need help. And the father, the father beckons us to run to him. And it's interesting that you mentioned the, the uh, prodigal son because in, those, in, that, in that story, the father runs to the prodigal son, which would have been totally against Jewish tradition. You don't run. You know, you would never run like that. You would never, and that would be like a total embarrassment. But the father was not ashamed of his son. And your father is not ashamed of you as a daughter or a son either, okay? 
Now, well, that's the fun part of the message. The rest of it is not quite so fun. And so I'm, I'm, I'm you know, it's really terrible that Greg decided, you know, this, you know, he's going to let me get in trouble, you know, that he'll come next week and be, you know, hyper-spiritual and get everything set back right. So, okay, it says, verse 18, the wrath of God, you know, you, you, I guess you can't speak too much about the gospel to talk about wrath, I guess, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness and righteousness of men. Now, I do want you to take one little nugget from that verse. He didn't say that the wrath of God was poured out against men. He didn't say that. What it said is the, that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. He pours out that which personifies not being in relationship with God. Not having God as part of our lives, a part of our creation. That his, his creation living in a place like either that he doesn't exist or they know he exists, but they don't care to have a relationship with him. That God pours his wrath out on. And there's a reason for it. He says, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because we suppress the truth about who God is when we walk without a relationship with him. Because we were created to have fellowship with the Father. We were created that God would live in us and through us. And in that relationship, the very life of God, the very presence of God would be apparent in our lives and to everyone around us. That was what we were designed for. But if we live out of relation with God, we suppress that truth. And that makes God angry. He continues on in that verse. He says, um, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, in verse 9, be because what may be known of God, this side of heaven, what, what we can understand and know about God in this life, on this side of heaven, this side of the pearly gates, it says, what may, may, what may be known of God, be may be known of God is made manifest in them for God has shown it to them. It's God's plan to show who he is in us. That's his plan. Now, you can question that plan, but he is the God of the universe. So, I don't know how well that question is going to go for you. But that's God's plan. He wants to use each and every one of us to be vessels. To be an extension for his life. Not only to encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ... But more importantly, take this gospel message out to a dead and dying world. I don't know if, why I should say dead and dying. It's dead. There's no dying. You're either in Christ or you're not. You see, a lot of times people who do not like to deal with truth like to live in the gray area. You know, and maybe if you're talking about baseball batting stats, you can talk about gray areas. But when you're talking about life and death, when you're talking about spiritual and unspiritual, there is no gray area. You're either in Christ or you're not. You're either born again to spend eternity with God in heaven or you're not. Okay? 
See, God lives outside of our, this reference of time that he's given us. Time, he, he gave us time as a gift. But he lives outside time. And for God, a thing either is or it is not. And you notice sometimes when God is talking about future events, when he's given a prophecy to one of the Old Testament prophets, he talks about it as if it has already happened. Because for him, it either is or it is not. Okay? So, he goes on, he says... For since the creation of the world, see, what's, what's so nice about Romans, it takes like all these chapters, what is it, 16 chapters in Romans, um, basically to lay out the gospel message. He just lays it out. The first half, he lays out the truth of the gospel message, lays out how he's going to reach out to the people and what God's heart is for the lost and for the heart is for the church and for Israel itself. Then how we take that message out to the world. And so he's going to lay it out a little bit here. This is called, what I like to call, the, like the decline of man. This, 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 is, this is what happened, folks. So he says... Uh, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. See, creation doesn't have any problems dealing with the reality of God. It's us who have some problem believing that God is real and that God has created all that we see and all that we don't see. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and his deity, or Godhead it might be, depending on what Bible you have, so that they're without excuse. So there's, there's no excuse before God. It says the creation itself speaks witness to the reality of God. One of my, my, my simplest um, um, tenets for me to know that, that God is real I mean, I mean, there's a whole life experience with him as well. But in John, and in 1 John, it talks about that God is love. Right? God is love. Not that God just knows about love or teaches about love or walks in love. And those things are true. But that God is love. You think about it. If it's all, you know, evolution and from, from me, you know, from... Yeah, goo to you by way of the zoo, evolution type stuff, you know. If that's really what it is, there would be no reason for love because it's survival of the fittest. It's the big dog eats the little dog, big dog gets to keep living, right? If you're a dog person, <laughs> okay? Uh, there would be no reason, there would be no reason for human emotions like, you know, loyalty, and caring, and sadness, and certainly not love, because that gives, provides you no advantage out in the jungle where it's dog-eat-dog, dog, right? Because it's all about you. It has to be all about you, you know? I kind of like that dog, but I'm going to eat that dog. So that's survival of the fittest, okay? But you and I have the ability... And, in, and whether we may not exert it all the time, you and I can love things. We can love animals. Oh, my goodness, we can love animals. Our pets, 
you know, our doggies and our kitties, you know, we even have to talk to them different, you know. Giddy, giddy, giddy. Why do we do that? Why may I ask? Why do we do that? But anyway, my point is, there's, there's no reason for, I mean, what, what advantage evolutionary-wise does it give us to, to love something or to love each other? But the fact is that we do. So it must not be just survival of the fittest or the origin of the species. Maybe it's something more. Maybe we were created by the one whose very embodiment is love. And so, to me, that's one of the greatest proofs that God is real is that you and I have the ability to love because there's no evolutionary advantage to love or caring or weeping or sadness or joy. There's no reason for it. But even a dog can show joy. Slobber all over you and process. But they show joy. That's for free. We've got to go back to the message now. He says, okay, he says, um, so we're, we're, we're without excuse before God as far as his reality. So it goes on. Now it's going to start getting worse. Because, verse 21, because although they knew God, okay, we knew God back in the garden, Adam and Eve, and even after the fall of man and being cast out of the garden, people knew God. Not all of them served God, but they knew God, okay? He says, because although they knew God, what was the first step? They did not glorify him. We just talked for the last three or four weeks. Every time I come to church, we're talking about the worthiness of God and how we need to be glorifying the God and worshiping God because it's the first step. It's the first step in avoiding the fall. They knew God, but they did not glorify him or proclaim his worthiness. And what happened? They did not glorify him as God, and then neither were they thankful. So they had their creator. They no longer glorified him, and they didn't really take the time to thank him anymore either. Okay? And, this is, and the result of those two things is they became futile in their thoughts. Their thinking became useless. Okay? And their foolish hearts were darkened. Their hearts that were meant to, to house the Holy Spirit now became the dwelling place of darkness. Okay? That's how it happened. We walked away from God. God is the very source of life. Real life, not just human animal type life, but the real life, spiritual life, founds, finds its residence in God. We chose to walk away from that. Okay? And now our hearts become the dwelling place of darkness and death. That was our choice. I mean, we could say, oh, you know, if I was Adam, I wouldn't have done it. You know? Yeah. Whatever. Okay. Sure. Okay, so he goes on, he says, now, professing to be wise, to be, you know, and I know this, we're, we're talking about like, like in, in old biblical history, and then we're kind of bringing this forward, but this happens in a microcosm as well, in either a person's life, or a family's life, or certainly in a nation's life, 
Just, I mean, as, as I read through this, you just think about what's going on in our country and the progression. We started, we started out as a country that knew who God was. And we glorified God. And we thank God that we were a nation before him and promised to be, continue with his blessing to be a, a nation before God. A light to the world, right? That's where we were? Holy smokes, now we're a disco ball. I don't know what we are. It's crazy. But it goes on, he says, okay, professing to be wise, they became fools. They changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. They, no longer, they didn't believe God. They were no longer thankful. Their hearts became darkened. So, but they've been created to worship something. So they're going to worship something. They might, even, might as well worship themselves. Maybe you got somebody that looks, you know, handsome or whatever or beautiful. Let's just make a, a statue and let's bow down to that. Let's pray to that, you know. But it, it gets worse, though. It does get worse. He says, and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. The Egyptians worshipped flies. Very inspirational God, you'd have to admit. They worshipped cats. Jackals came up with a few idols, you know. Some cultures revere the cow, the, also, the always impressive cow. You know, I mean, I mean it seems foolish, but... That's really what I just read, right? He said, they professed to be wise, but they became fools. They actually began to look to a fly to be their God and their inspiration. Wow. And you thought we had problems. Jeez. As it goes on then, he says, therefore, okay, therefore, verse 24. God had no other choice because God is a just and holy God. He wants to have a relationship with each and every one of his creation. He is not, Scripture says he's not willing that any should perish, okay? But there is a point where God has to say to be just and holy that I cannot tolerate the sin and rebellion any longer, and he has to take his hand away. Remember, this wasn't God's choice. It was people's choice. It was our human condition. It was our choice to walk away. And so God says... Okay. Okay. He says, therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Exchanged the truth for a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forever. That's what happened. But I want you to take very close attention to the fact it was we walk away from God. We no longer glorify God. We're no longer thankful. And we don't want to retain him in our knowledge anymore. And all this stuff that comes afterwards, and we're going to read through some stuff here. All this stuff that comes afterwards is the result of a lack of relationship with God. It's not that all this, it's not like that we read this backwards 
And then all this stuff happened, and then we had no relationship with God. No, that's not what happened. What happened is we severed the relationship, and all the stuff that we see, all the ways that our, our human condition and our, our lives and our bodies try to find meaning in life and, and enjoyment in, on some measure apart from a relationship with God, all this is manifested in these things here. But it didn't start there. It just ended up there. So when we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm not saying that we wink at sin. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying what you need is that person needs to have a relationship with God because only in God, only in God can they find the power to overcome sin. Only in God only in God can, can the fruit of the Spirit well up in them. And the fruit of the Spirit is the antithesis of all this flesh. And it's in those things, it's in those things we can take joy in our relationship with God. Because God wants to bring that to everyone. Everyone. But we will set a stumbling block as a church in front of people because we leave them with a twisted message that you clean yourself up and then you can come in our church. And I'm not saying that in this church because I think, you know, I don't want to be prideful because that that's not a good thing either because that's one of the things he's going to list here in a second. But, but, you know, there are some places where the lost feel they have no place in the church crowd. Because it's exuded to them that once you clean yourself up, we'll introduce you to our God. Maybe. Maybe, you know. And that's not how it should be. We should introduce them to Jesus, to the gospel. Cause them to know why they are the way they are. And to know that the only answer, their only supply, their healing and their deliverance comes in the person of Jesus Christ. And the Father gave his Son while we were yet dead in our trespasses and sin. How much more will he now love that person once in the midst of their sin see themselves as lost? It's pride, really. It's pride. It's really pride that we're not willing to humble ourselves to say, you know, I need God. I can't do it by myself. So this is what happens. He says, so... For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the, women, of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which is due. Okay, I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to apologize for the word. Okay, I'm not. And this is... This is where a guy can get in trouble. But what I'm saying, it's still the answer is still the same. Men and women need Jesus Christ. And I am, I am of the faith that my God is big enough that if a person, as described in these scriptures, comes to him broken and wants salvation and wants to know them, that he is big enough to deal with it and deal with the different aspects of what's going on in their life on his timetable and I can trust in that and I call him brother and sister okay because that's the answer because God is love 
okay? But I don't want to, but I just don't want to wink at it either. I don't want to, as Paul said, I don't want to conceal, I don't want to compromise. I want to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the power of God and the salvation. The whole message, not just part of it, not just the parts we like. It's not a buffet. He goes on, he says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, you know, take God out of the schools, take him out of the government, take him out of the courthouses, you know, take him off our money, you know. Oh, now I'm meddling. I'm sorry. Hold on. I'll back up. He said, since they, now they didn't want to, the, the, next, the next part of the progression is they didn't want to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a debased mind that they would do things which are not fitting. Now, you realize as I'm reading this that the, the, the progression is getting worse and worse and worse of the things that are happening. I want you to, uh, to listen closely to some of the things that are listed now. Because these are listed after some of the other things I've already written, okay? He says, be filled with all unrighteousness, in other words, outside of a relationship with God, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers. They are backbiters. They are haters of God. They're violent. They're proud. Boasters, inventors of evil things. Catch this one. Disobedient to parents. Wow. I mean, that's, that's in that list? Wow. And it keeps going. They're undiscerning. They're untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. Who, know, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also prove of those who practice them. Well, another part that we're going to learn later on in, in Romans, as the pastor proceeds through, he's going to, it's going to say, you know, if you're trying to make a good person out of yourself, trying to walk by the tenets of the law, whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, um, like trying to justify yourself, in some way, by walking in the law. Well, you, you know, give it your best shot. <laughs> but you're going to fail miserably. Because what it said is if you even stumble in one part of the law, you are guilty of transgressing all of it. Holy smokes. That puts pressure on if you're trying to self-justify. Because I'm pretty sure there's at least three or four of those I got. You know, there's a time, I'm sure I've walked in pride, time when I was disobedient to my parents, that I was undiscerning or unloving or unforgiving or unmerciful, you know. Take your pick. Take your pick. But the point is, the point is, that is not our way back to God. That is not our way back to God. Neither are transgressings in these things how we are no longer, if we're outside of that relationship with God, why, we're no, why we don't have that relationship. It's because you don't have that relationship that these things can be an issue in your life. But I'm telling you, if you respond to the gospel message of Christ, 
Believe in your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ. Confess with your mouth unto salvation. He, and believe that the Father is raised him from the dead. You will be saved. And let God sort it out. My God's big enough to take that challenge. Okay? And the thing is, I've noticed in, in the, the sweetness of, of the Spirit of God that when he comes and he starts moving in the lives, in my life, and I've seen it in my brothers and sisters, I've seen when the sweetness of God, he doesn't walk up to you with the, the holy two before and whack you inside the head. You know, the Holy Spirit is described as a still, small voice, but also a fire. And that fire can purge you the things that he wants removed. But you know what? It's going to be on his timetable. You know, you may think you have this one thing, the thing I usually like to call X in your life, that you want dealt with. So this is, this is my main pitfall. This is where I struggle the most. This is the thing that occupies me, the thing that I get up in the morning saying I'm absolutely not going to do, and before it's 9.30, I've already done that kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? And that might be number one on your list, but maybe God's got something else on his list. Maybe he's a, up on number one. He's got, you know, that's true. That X, yeah, definitely in the top ten there, Michael. But why don't, why don't we... Why don't we deal with that like judgmental spirit you got? Let's put that on top first. Let's, let's say we humble you first. And then we'll work on these other things. That's how sweet, that's how sweet the spirit is. Because all of us are going to be in different areas. And all of us are going to have different X's, okay? But we have the same God and the same Father who loves us all the same, okay? With an everlasting love. He's promised never to leave us, nor forsake us, ever. In these words of life, these promises, it says that his word will never pass away. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. If he says it, that's it. So give yourself a chance. Give yourself a chance. If you're a Christian and you're struggling in something, remember it is not that thing that's the struggle. It's your relationship with God. That's where you're going to find strength. Because if you focus on X, you can't be focused on the Father at the same time. What he's saying is, come to me. Let's hang out, you and I. You know? Pray to God. Go fishing with God. I mean, everybody tries to complicate it. Like, so you need to, like, you know, you know, hide yourself away in a monastery somewhere and go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and do something like that. It's not going to work. What you need is time with your father. And you can have time with your father while you're doing your job. You can have time with your father uh, when you go to bed at night. You can have time with your father when you rise in the morning and you're having your coffee. Okay? What you need is time with your father. And you will find the more time you spend with the father, the less time and the less prevalent the X's will be in your life. Okay? But let the message of, of the end of Romans here that shows... What happened to us as a creative being? Be a guy to show you it's, it, it's, it's not a matter. It's not a matter of the things that we do and what we don't do. Is it, do we believe we have a father, a good, good father? Do we know that father will never leave us? Nor He's the same Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
And can we remember to hold him worthy in our sight, to give him praise and honor and glory? And can we be a thankful people? The Bible is literally riddled with imperfect people. And these imperfect people, some of these people that we call the heroes of the Bible, oh my goodness, David, he sent a guy out to be killed literally in a battle so that he could finish his lust desires for his wife, who he liked to watch bathe naked on the house next door. God described that man as a man after his own heart. Because David, even through the le- all that, could always bring himself back to the point of repentance and remembering that God is his source and his supply. And though he ran away a thousand steps, his father was just one step in the other direction. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you for your mercy and your kindness. We thank you for the promise that you never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, I pray in the weeks ahead as pastor shares in the word, Lord, that you would open our minds and spirits to receive the tenets of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we would be faithful stewards of it and be able to share it with the people here, near, and far. And Lord, that we might hear that message ourselves and be encouraged, knowing that you love us and care for us to the uttermost. Father God, we thank you for this beautiful day. I thank you for the safe return of our missionary team. Lord, um, we look forward to hearing the testimonies in the weeks ahead of the fruit of that trip. God, we love you. You are worthy of all praise and all glory and honor. Father, as we leave this place, may we not depart from your presence. May we see Jesus in, in each other's eyes. And may his testimony be in our lips. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us today. My name is Billy, and I'm the online media director here at Polson Foursquare. I hope that the message was encouraging to you. And if it was, consider subscribing or following us or even sharing it with a friend. If you're looking for more information, you can find that at polsonfoursquare.org or check out our Facebook. With that, I hope that you have a blessed week and we'll catch you next time.